and welcome to episode 105 of My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. I'm Dr. Richard McKinnon, and I'm joined as ever by my co-host, Pilar Ortiz. Pilar, how are things with you today? Today, things are very well. Thank you for asking. Hello, Richard. Hello, listeners. That's always good to hear. <laughs> it's not often that I get that response in my job. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they bring you in when things are not great, do they? Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just really nice to hear. But as long as that's authentic, that's the main thing. Yes. Which is kind of what we're going to be talking about today, this this intersection, I suppose, um, between productivity and our well-being. Um, because last time we looked at the benefits of conducting a weekly review, you know, taking some time out to look back at the week that was so that we can get ready for the week yet to be and maybe capture some learning points. And I mentioned as an aside that sometimes uh, the weekly review is framed in terms of productivity and it could seem like a bit of an overwhelming task, you know, masses and masses of things to do and account for. And I don't really see it that way. And I definitely don't want to introduce my coaching clients uh, to it in that way. That, that will seem overwhelming and Really, you won't want to do it. We can also look at it as something that supports our well-being, though. You know, if it helps us get a handle on our responsibilities and avoid feeling overwhelmed, if it helps us recognize what's going well as alongside the challenges, and maybe helps us delineate work from non-work, all of those things can um, contribute to our, our sense of well-being. The fact that that weekly review acknowledges the issues and uh, alongside the wins that we have um, is something that I really want to expand on because I think it's very important that we look at this topic of productivity in a healthy way. And I really never want to leave anyone with the impression that when I talk about productivity or I mention the word in passing that I'm implying they should do more more of whatever it is that they do. I hope that makes sense. Yes, and you know what? There might be something in the air. <laughs> uh, we, we're Obviously, it's 1st of February when we're recording at the moment, but I am subscribed to a newsletter by a friend. I consider him a friend. He's an online friend, Marcus Wermuth. And his last issue was talking about something similar. He was saying, I'm so worried about being productive all the time that it's actually starting to affect my well-being. So the might yeah so very good timing Richard. Mm -hmm. And and that's not the first time I've heard something like that. Um because if we don't take uh, a big picture view of what it means to be productive and yeah. this is a podcast so you can't see me using air quotes but <laughs> I'm I'm placing them around productivity. If we don't think about that big picture then we can easily fall into a trap of only seeing a slice of the concept and that can lead us down a path that can negatively impact our well-being and that could take the form of just being a bit miserable about work or it could go all the way through to making ourselves actually sick with the amount of stuff we're trying to do so i thought we'd, we'd start by maybe expanding on that a little bit and, and asking the question well what is the problem with productivity you know big p productivity well how might that be misinterpreted or what messages if we're not careful could we leave people with and in preparing this, a few things sprang to mind, but I'm sure listeners have other perspectives, additional perspectives on this. And Pilar, I'm sure you, you've you got some ideas as well, so I'd love to hear them. But I think number one is that the word productivity can be quite a demanding 
and an inflexible term. I think what it implies is, as I said, doing more, producing more. And in a binary sense, either I am productive or I'm not. And if I am, I need to keep being productive. And if I'm not, ah, poor me, I need to be productive. And that's not really helpful if we think about just how complex and fluid life can be. And that can leave us feeling like we're not enough or we're not doing enough. And that is a very unpleasant thought to have bouncing around in your mind. And when we think about productivity and producing, that can really reduce our calculation of life down to tasks and how efficient we're being. And I think that speaks a little bit to the point you just made, Pilar, that that can leave us worrying about, am I, am I doing enough here of these things that I've listed? And that can feel, uh, that can feel like a real, a real downer. And the final point that I thought of, and again, based on conversations I've had with my, my uh, clients, that when we talk about productivity loosely, that word can imply perfection. Once I am pr- productive, everything is fine, and I'll have this experience of smooth sailing through the rest of life. And of course, I think it's fair to say we all know that's not the case. Uh, you know, even without thinking about the last two years, life does not go in a straight line from A to B. So it can leave us with unrealistic expectations about how our experience of life is going to be once we focus on this big P productivity. How does there's, that sit with you? Yeah, there's so much in there. Um, and and we can, I mean, for me, my mind starts to go all philosophical about some stuff as well. as, For example, I think because we're putting so much, well, we as in, let, let's say I, with a lot of my conversations stuff, put so much emphasis on the work life. And then if I'm measuring how good I'm being at work, I'm simplifying by how productive I am, it's very easy to then spill that into also the non-work stuff. And then we start to think, well, do I have to be productive? Uh, is Can I not like do something that actually I would never label productive? Is that a waste of time or is that a good mm-hmm. use of my time here that I am on earth? So I think that when we're paying so much attention to making the most out of our time at work. Sometimes we can get into that. Oh, I must, you know, I must not waste one moment. I must be productive. Absolutely. And if we apply the uh, productive at work lens or standard to our personal lives, that can lead us down all kinds of directions that we might not want to go because, again, if we say this thing I'm about to do, is that a good use of my time? Well, not everything that we do has a has a payoff that yes. we can quantify, right? Yes. Or put a value on. And the shorthand I come back to with clients all the time, especially when they're feeling overwhelmed or they've got eternal busyness as a mm. as a kind of a badge of honor, is taking a break is productive. Rest is productive because you're recharging and you're going to be better when you've had that break, when you've had that rest. Can you tick it off your list? Well, not really, unless you have take a break on your to-do list, but it is as important as anything else that you're doing. So this, I think, oversimplification, we can all fall prey to from time to time that productivity is tasks we've completed, um, really can leave us feeling overwhelmed and a poor performer and not enough. And really, that's not very helpful. 
I also wonder, Richard, whether this, and I might be going a bit off track here, but I also wonder this, this I, I find that there's too much um, kudos given to being busy, mm. especially if you're freelancing and stuff like that and generating your own work and stuff like that. And it's almost like everyone, rather than ask, how are you? They say, are you busy? <laughs> And, you know, I'm always busy because my mind's always doing something, but it doesn't mean anything. And I think, I think these are two, these two things are, are linked, I think. Oh, without question. And it's, you know, I have a real bee in my bonnet about this busy mm. word, but, you know, if we live a busy life um, through choice, that means we're doing lots of things and we derive satisfaction from them. Fine. But we're, if we're the unwilling victim of permanent busyness, that's exhausting and we're not being our best selves. And we may well be preoccupied with this productivity challenge. Am I doing enough? And um, of course, that means that we might focus on the wrong things. You know, let's get some of these things off the list rather than some of the things that are going to have an impact or some of the things that are worthwhile and, and meaningful. Um, so it, it, it harkens back to our dis discussion um, quite a while ago now, and I can't even remember which episode it was, uh, but about, about success and when people view success very easily as a binary, either I am successful or I'm not. And if I am successful, now I need to work at remaining successful at work. And if I'm not, this is terrible. So I need to work really hard to become successful. Productivity is not a goal, as in you achieve it and then it's a job done. Whereas I think we can we can see it as as a goal or a destination, rather than maybe another way of looking at things. So I, I take a different perspective. Um, that's probably <laughs> probably clear from the way that we're talking about this. But when I try and define productivity. I talk about it being um, our attempts to do the right thing in the right way at the right time. That means the activity that is helpful or appropriate, um, and we're doing it with focus and intention, um, and we're doing it when it's helpful to do it. So that runs counter to procrastinating. It runs counter to busy work. Um, it runs counter to being overwhelmed and not able to do things to the best of our ability. So it's a nice, simple way. And it doesn't refer to doing all the things, you know, doing everything everyone asks of you. It also means that if we're focused and we are doing the right thing, and that's contextual, by the way, um, it means that we're doing one thing, we're not doing some other things. And that's often where some of the discomfort comes from. When we are really prioritizing, when we're doing it properly, and we're not trying to do multiple things concurrently, we then can get that mental itch, right? That mm, if I'm doing this, I'm not doing that. And I do want to do that, but I'm doing this. You know, that's something we can work on. That's something we can deal with. Um, and that's true prioritization, doing one thing with intention at a time. And when some things don't get done, and by that I mean don't get done today, they might not get done this week, or as I've been thinking a lot about over the last six months, they don't get done at all, what's the problem? Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a big open question. Does it matter if some of the things we've been telling ourselves I need to do don't get done? What, what's, what's the impact? 
That's the biggest, that's the most difficult uh, thing, I think, is acknowledging and coming to terms with the fact that we can't do everything we want to do. And even sometimes that we can't do everything we need to do, which is even harder. And I think that coming to terms with that for me is the is the most important thing before we even start to think about how do we then structure our life. And it's very difficult when you have some kind of jobs where you can see that stuff never ends, where you could practically uh, be working 24 hours a day because you've got everything you need there and then. So I think that, um, yeah, I think that's the most important thing. And I don't want to put a downer on this too much, no, but, but really it's <laughs> life and it's about acknowledging, um, in a sense, if we take a big step back, uh, the finality of our life, you mm, know, yeah. it has limits. I, I read um, Oliver Berkman's new book, 4,000 ah, yes. Weeks, and it's been really bouncing around in my head for months now. The fact that, yeah, this this unattainable get it all done leaves us feeling unfulfilled. And if we take a step back and we realize I've only got 4,000 weeks on the planet, um, what am I going to do with that? And that's a that's a really challenging question to ask, especially if you're dealing with someone who has a to-do list, you know, 150 items long. Um, which of these things is going to make a difference in your life? And of course, if we say that, productivity is a goal in itself, then we're going to miss a lot of what thinking about how we do things can bring to the joy of our work or the even the efficiency or being able to do the things that matter. So I prefer to talk about productivity as a perspective. If we look at the work to be done through the lens of productivity, it helps us make some valued choices and act with intention. If we don't think of it at all, we might as well be on a production line doing the next thing that comes along until we fall over with exhaustion. Or we look at our watch and say, all right, I'm off. And we haven't really thought about what we're doing and the impact of how we're doing it. And of course, if we keep thinking about context, um, probably one of the top 10 words we use on the podcast, the <laughs> importance of context, then we need to be flexible because we can't apply rules all the time to our work. So for so many of us, our work and the nature of what we need to focus on changes. It's not that predictable. Then we can keep asking ourselves, what would it mean to be productive in this context? And of course, we can look at the context being today, or we can look at the context as being in the middle of a global pandemic, given the pressures we're all under right now, what would it mean to be productive today? And that's a a helpful way of maybe pressing pause on the unrelenting, unsustainable sprinting that we can all get stuck in. So what can we do about it? Um, again, I'm drawing on experience of, of coaching individuals who want to step out of this busy cycle, um, but also um, what writers have said about how you can do this stuff in a, in a sustainable way. And my first point is one that, that you've, you've raised already, Pilar, just acknowledge the fact that work never ends until you exit the workforce. There'll always be more to do. And so it doesn't, it doesn't matter how fast you work on Monday and how much you do on Monday. When you come to work on Tuesday, there'll be more work to do. And, and actually there's a, uh, a line from Oliver Bergman's book that, that keeps 
um, popping up on my mind. And it, it's about email, which really relates to this topic that trying to clear your email is like trying to climb an unending ladder. You know, no matter how fast you go, you'll still be climbing. And so you can either try and sprint up that ladder or you can take it at a pace that's sustainable. You are not in control of the length of the ladder. And so we need to acknowledge there's always going to be more to do. So our job is not to do all the work. Does that make sense? Yeah. Although you did say until you exit the workforce. <laughs> And I think that uh, even then, this uh, this issue still stays with us. Uh, one is um, because, of course, even when we if we if we get uh, if we retire, This we still want to do, uh, and I think especially at the beginning, I've seen that it's quite hard to. You still want to remain productive, and also like the change of context probably means that we still have lots of stuff we want to do, totally. and I think that is um, amazing. Uh, and can I can I share a um, uh, can I can I share a personal anecdote? Please, as well? please yes, do. Yes. So I I want to do lots of stuff. I mean, for me, it's even worse because I have all this stuff that comes from external. Uh, context and external demands for, to, to use that word but also I, I actually create a lot more stress within myself because I want to do lots of stuff and one of the things I really wanted to do as in I thought a bit through it was I wanted to write a book on acting Lorca Lorca the playwright because mm. he is if um, anyone listening to who knows his work he was so ahead of his time and and you know and they got rid of him too early and his stuff is really amazing it was very daring and in the UK drama students and people in the theater really like his work but I think that the approach sometimes um, well I could help with the approach and it was one of the things I really wanted to do but I did think through it and I thought about one, the time, yes, the time it would take, the process, what I would get at the end of it and how it could help everything else I was doing. And at some point I just went, let's be realistic. That is not the best project to, for me to go and look at. Um, and, you know, you never know, maybe my life changes and I do do it, but I think, but I had to decide not that. It's just not going to happen. Mm. Uh, and I also wanted to train as a Pilates teacher. <laughs> and I find really interesting, and I'm, getting, I'm going a bit away from this, but I think it's within the, the subject that when I've mentioned this to some of my friends and I said, you know, I would really, I would love to train as a Pilates teacher, but it's not going to happen. And they always go, why not? You still have time. And I go, actually, it's not going to happen. And for me, it's better to think, yeah, that would be fun. It's not going to happen. I'm thinking through what it entails. No, I think I need to do something else. Um, so yeah, just wanted to to share that. It it's a it's a great insight into what it means for an individual. Mm. And you know, you can have your someday maybe list of things, and if it presents itself as an opportunity, great. But viewing it that way is very different to I must do these things. And what's really interesting is the bit that's unsaid. I must do them or, or what? Yeah. What am I if I don't do them? And we might oversimplify our view of ourselves. And I mean that in a negative way. I, if I don't do that, I have failed. Or if I don't do that, I'm not productive or I'm not good enough. So it's, it's the other half of that phrase that is the unspoken implication, which is not so good. And I had, I'll, I'll share a personal <laughs> thing. This is just from the other day. And it, you know, it was a reflection. I'd been doing this thinking about not the meaning of life by all means, but much more 
okay, what am I going to invest my time and attention in this year? Or there are a few big lumps, a few big projects, and I'll, that will be my focus. And I'm trying to simplify things and, and you know, like yourself, not take on too many bitty things that are going to slow me down. And my partner and I had to have a call with the bank. Um, we're buying this new apartment and we had to talk about financing it and, and the usual stuff. But <laughs> we were on it together on speakerphone, as, as was the request, and listening to this delightful person from the bank. And then we moved on to, uh, do you intend to have paid off this mortgage by the time you retired? And the first thing in my head went, well, of course, oh, hold on, I'm 45. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a very different question 10 years ago mm. when we first got a mortgage. Yeah. I was like, well, yes, yes, I would like to. And then we got, well, what, what age would you like to retire at? And, you know, I thought, well, oh, this is, I wasn't expecting this. <laughs> You're touching a nerve now. Yeah. And then you go, well, that's 20 years or 20 odd years. How many weeks is that? Oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> and it brings real clarity to it. You know, those big ticket items, I'm doing this thing. And the time scale we're talking about is the remainder of my career or my paid career. Let's bring, you know, something yes. like that. Rather than did you send the email to Dave about X? You know, that's the other end of the scale of commitments. Yeah. So anyway, you, this, this stuff has been banging around in my head for a little bit. And those kinds of big commitments um, change the perspective we take about what it means to do stuff. I suppose that's what I'm trying to say here. Now we can really easily um, challenge ourselves and make our own day worse by committing to too much stuff. So as a general principle, I try and help my coaches not overload themselves with their to-do lists um, for any given day and try and prioritize that. You know, what are the absolute must do's today because not everything can be urgent and important. As I said, prioritization can be uncomfortable, but it's necessary to get clarity because of the information overload so many of us have to live with. So what are the absolute must do's? You get them done and happy days. Then if I get these things done, wow, bonus time. How, how lucky am I that I managed to get those done? But really, if you have 25 items on the list and you finish the day having done five of them, your estimation of what that day has been like will be very different to if you had five and you got all five done. Now, I'm conscious I'm talking about the task level, but it's often what we do. What are the things that must be done today? So minimizing that number of things, having clarity on why they're important and potentially urgent, and then focusing on them ruthlessly, you know, with, with, with intention means that we're less likely to have that guilt of, look at all the things I didn't do today. I think that feeling of well-being is so important, just going back to your very first uh, points at the beginning of the episode as well. Uh, and if I can share, I'm, I'm, I'm very sharing, sharing bold. This is the sharing episode. <laughs> yeah, go for it. The sharing episode. One, so I, for the last weeks, I've had to do lots of stuff with my teeth, with my eyes, like really practical stuff. And I could have, for example, decided that I could one day I could go to the dentist and then seeing as I'm already on the tube, I can then go to the, to the uh, opticians. And then, and I decided, you know what, I'm going to do one thing each day because then I can do it. I'm not running around and I'm not, I'm, yes, I'm not feeling like I'm rushing to do things. And that has really, I've had to do it very consciously and deliberately mm -hmm. to say, okay, today was about getting to the dentist. That's done. 
today is about getting to the optician and, and that's done. And of course, I've got at the moment the the luxury of flexibility and time and a lot of stuff. But I think that sometimes it just helps to go. I did that. Everything else is a bonus, and it, just from a well being point of view. Absolutely, um, you're off the hamster wheel of dashing and dashing mm. and dashing. Then, and you know the other side of that, right? Is if you try and do all your errands based on efficiency, that's that's work. And and then how are you going to be in the evening? Will you be your best self? Will you be able to do the non-urgent things that also contribute to our sense of self? So just because it is possible to be super efficient and cram lots of stuff in, is, is that helpful? And does that contribute to our well-being? The, the um, progress that we make is something that we also overlook. And that's tough to keep an eye on. We we can fall into the trap of viewing ourselves as a function of the day that we're in, and everyone can have a bad day and a day that gets derailed. Stepping back and saying that's one day out of five working days this week, for example, or one day out of this month, or this month was tough out of the 12 months. So regularly stepping back to avoid applying a label to us or our lives as being statically unproductive, we just went through some tough times. And many of us had to deal with that during the upset of the last two years when our routines were destroyed and our way of working was adjusted or upended. We had to really rethink about what it means to have a day at work and how we can manage to get stuff done given all of those barriers and setbacks and, and difficulties. So if we're able to say, right, all that stuff that is demanded of me didn't get done, but I, I made this much progress and it is in the direction of travel that I value, and I can keep going in that direction. So we're moving away from binary success, failure, or productive, lazy, to it's a journey, and I'm moving in the right direction. Um, and so there's no prizes here, but I'm happy that there is some progress. On that note, being realistic about the external stuff that gets in the way. You know, how many times have you had a great plan for your day, and something from left field comes in and derails it? It's not you, it's not your fault, it's really nothing to do with you, but someone else has changed how the day is going to be. Or there's been uh, a, an accident or an IT failure or, you know, building that stuff in is really, really important so that we don't blame ourselves or we don't internalize all of those external disruptions and somehow say, I'm not productive. Well, stuff happens. And so if we can roll with that and acknowledge that, whether it's the you know, laptop failure on one day, or it's the disruption of a pandemic over two years, the context and acknowledging those things that are outside of our control is really, really important. And I, I, I'm just thinking aloud now, the number of these that have happened to me, and we're only the 1st of February when we're recording this, but in this year so far, the number of times my plans for a day have been knocked <laughs> sideways by something completely outside of my control. You have to draw on that, that strength or that perspective to say, there's nothing I can do about it. There's a part of our self-talk that I think is really important um, to pay attention to. And it links back to what you said earlier, um, Pilar, about projects and having lots of things on the go. And that is the tyranny of the word should. I should be doing that, shouldn't I? People like me should do this thing. And should doesn't do anything except highlight the fact that we're not doing the thing. <laughs> and it's a sort of a self-flagellating, self-blaming 
type word. I should be able to do more. Um, I should get more done each day. I, you know, I should be able to cope with this. Watch out for that because it's, um, it's an unhelpful way of, of framing it. And your um, share, I thought was lovely that if I look at this in a reasonable way, if I look at this in an objective way, it's not something that's going to get done. Should doesn't enter into it. Will I, won't I? I sound a bit Yoda now. <laughs> there is no try. But, you know, should just yeah. puts a guilt trip on us, right? Yeah. And it rem reminds me so much when I was uh, many years ago running a theatre company. And of course, it was the, the only thing on my mind all the time. And myself and my uh, colleague, Philip, who I ran it with, were always like, you know what? The other day I was just sitting watching television. And I was feeling so guilty because I thought I should be. Mm. Um, mm. And also, I remember uh, just today I was listening to an episode of a podcast. I think it's called Just Famous with um, the lady who voices uh, Lisa Simpson. Mm -hmm. um, oh yes yeah yeah and she was apparently she was really really prolific as an actress before and the and during the first years of the simpsons and she was talking about something very similar to this which is she had all the time been thinking that she should be working she should be doing this she should be doing that that she's now learning to just not to take things slower and don't and not feel bad about it Mm -hmm. So that she doesn't have this constant thing, oh, I should be doing this, when actually all I'm doing is taking things a bit slower. I, lo I love that um, because, you know, you could be at the peak of your career and still mm. wonder what should I be doing on top mm -hmm. of this? When is enough enough? You know, these are important questions to ask ourselves. And, and that, there's no rule for this. There's no one size fits all, of course. But if we're honest with ourselves, we can say it's not about enough. It's about maybe on the one hand, am I, am I, you know, being the kind of person I want to be? Am I living my values? Am I heading in a direction that I actually like and, and find valuable rather than another pitfall comparing ourselves to others? Oh, I'm not as productive as her. <laughs> Look how much she gets done. I mean, that's a sure way to feel bad about ourselves. We don't see all this stuff that's unseen about that person and their struggles. And of course, there is no straight line from A to B, as I said. So there will be mistakes. We will misprioritize. Not sure if that's a word. <laughs> we will prioritize <laughs> the wrong now. things. Yeah, it is now. We'll add it to the, to the lexicon. But we will make mistakes. We will drop the ball. What's very important with that, if we want to continue in a resilient way, is to learn from those mistakes, to acknowledge um, our part, our contribution in them, but also what we'll do differently next time, rather than ruminating over them and blaming ourselves. And that I mean, that's the opposite of getting things done is sitting there um, with this stuff going around and around in our minds. And, and I think that that leads me to um, the final point I really want to make with this. And, and I'm, again, making it last so it's ringing in everyone's ears, is the need to be um, kind to ourselves, to have compassion alongside a drive to be productive, because compassion acknowledges our human fallibility, it acknowledges our humanity. There are limits to what can be done. We are not machines, so our energy will differ from day to day. Our capacity to deal with things will, will differ. There will be a point at which we feel, that's it, I can't do any more of that. And, and if we can be compassionate and we give ourselves a break, um, we'll find that our efforts will be much more sustainable 
And we'll be able to take those breaks when it's helpful for us. We'll be able to step away when it's helpful for us. And we'll be able to focus like a laser when it's helpful for us. But the compassion, I think, needs to go alongside all of these efforts to get the stuff done so that we can acknowledge our limits, the benefits of rest and breaks, and also to put it in the context of the arc of our lives. The days that we thought were absolute nightmares with the passing of time become a distant memory, a blurred memory, if that. So stepping back and looking at that, you know, 4,000 weeks um, really helps put this stuff in context. That, that is a, a, a deeper point than I wanted to make at this point in a relatively short uh, podcast. What, what do you think of that, Pilar? I think yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that it is really, really important to when when we can just uh, just um, zoom out, zoom out a bit. And sometimes even just doing that makes everything a little bit better. So this isn't a critique. People who want to focus on improving their productivity and their efficiency and getting stuff done in a way that is sustainable and all the rest of it, that's great. And learning from each other and using technology appropriately or um, shaping your role and your job to suit you, this is all great stuff. But I would say that productivity isn't an end in itself, or ideally it should not be an end in itself. Um, it's something to guide how and when and what we do, rather than have I attained the status of being productive or not? Because like all things, that is temporary and we don't want to identify with it too much um, or oversimplify the view we hold of ourselves. I'm going to link in the show notes to a few resources are, are on this topic. Um, one is to reaffirm the view we in work-life psych take about productivity. Um, I'll also link back to the, the last podcast where we talked about the weekly review and the video I did of that. If you missed that, you know, that might be a nice way to start thinking about your week from week to week. And also um, a blog post about the benefit of prioritizing and how you can start to do that in a simple way to ensure you get a bit of clarity in your day. Didn't plan to end on such a clunker of a note. I hope it's given hope <laughs> to people. Maybe, maybe reduced some of the pressure we're putting on ourselves to just be productive. Maybe we could just be a being rather than a productive yeah. being. What do you think? I like that very much. Let's be a being rather than a productive <laughs> being. Thank you, Pilar. Thank you all for listening. And as ever, do get in touch with your questions, your, your points, your comments, anything you disagree with. Um, from from today's episode you can contact us on twitter at my pocket psych you can drop us an email podcast at worklifepsych.com or you can even leave us a voicemail and the link to that is in the show notes so until next time thank you for listening thanks for downloading this episode of my pocket psych to get in touch with questions and feedback, you can tweet us at worklifepsych or leave us a message on the contact form at www.worklifepsych.com contact. Thanks for listening.